you merge the future self with the current self and understand that if you do these actions over time, the regret, that window of opportunity closes, people move. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks, come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring that. An all new episode of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. This is your host, Matt Labrie, and today we are joined by our friend, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Now, in this episode, there are a plethora of gems. I want to give you five that really stood out to me in case they stand out to you, and maybe there's more. I would love to hear from you after you tune into this episode, so make sure you hit me on social. But number one, the predictor that will tell us what you will achieve or how much you can achieve in life. There is one predictor that will tell you exactly that how much you will be able to achieve in your life, and how to make sure you are continuously able to raise the bar of this predictor. Number two, why people seem to be, or I should really say, evidence-based proven, why people are more motivated by fear rather than speaking result, and how to alter that. Dr. Gabriel is going to break that down a little bit more. Number three, a simple Seriously, a simple step-by-step process to start building mental fortitude and awareness for self. Number four, the key to beating instant gratification. If you are a millennial like myself, if you're a New Yorker like myself, let's be real. We want things when we want things. And how can we avoid falling for the shiny objects? There is a simple step-by-step to beat instant gratification. The key to beating instant gratification within this episode. Number five, the top three things impacting our health negatively. And of course, I'm not just going to leave you with that cliffhanger. We're giving you the top three things we can do to bolster our health as well. And of course, there is so much more. Now, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is a board-certified family medicine practitioner, completed a combined research and clinical fellowship in geriatrics and nutritional sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Dr. Lyon is a subject matter expert and educator in applying protein types and levels to health, performance, aging, and disease prevention. Of course, we're talking all things health here today, as well as mindset and relationships and parenthood and so much more. As always, we are so excited to have you here rocking with us. And also, as always, remember, you could have chose anything else in the world, literally anything else in the world to do right now. But you chose this podcast, more specifically this episode, or how about this? Maybe it chose you. So open yourself up to the idea that there is something within this conversation that you need. Maybe it's not today. Maybe it plants the seed. That is what today is doing. It's planting the seed, but you are here for a reason. You could also be the reason someone else hears this. So when the light bulb goes off, when you feel like this episode brought you value, and I promise you it will, share this with someone in your life. If you share it on social, of course, make sure you're tagging Dr. Gabrielle and myself so we can say thank you and show love. And on that note, embrace what's to come, share this episode, and without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Oh, I hear that. You know what's funny? I have a standing desk. I don't even use it as often as I should for these. Yeah. How many interviews are you doing today, though? Two. Two. So I get to stand the rest of the day. I just feel like sitting when I'm doing the interviews, I'm like way more focused. It's a struggle. I'm with you. Yeah. No, I hear that. 
Yeah. Uh, so I have four interviews today. So if I sit down for four hours. It's a lot. Absolutely. You have any questions or are you good to dive in? No. Um, how long are we going to go for? I will get you out of here on the top of the hour, probably about 50 minutes or so. Is that cool? Great. Yeah. Awesome. We're already recording. So I'm just going to kick it off. First question, like, how are you? What's going on in your life? I'm doing great. How are you? I am as, doing as great as a wife with two little kids and a husband who is a surgical resident working 100 hours a week is, but okay, ready to rock and roll. That's a lot to balance. How do you navigate that? That is a good question. I think that we have standards for how we operate in our household and we execute on those standards. So that's an interesting point and I appreciate you bringing that up. It's something that needs to be explored in a relationship. And obviously you took the next step in that relationship and then another next step by bringing life into this world. How do you ensure that you are aligned in standard, in mindset, belief, etc.? Not necessarily in marriage, because I mean, if you're getting to the point of marriage and realizing that you're not aligned there, that could potentially be an issue. But early on in a relationship, like how did you identify like, hey, like we're aligned in what the standard is for our relationship at this point? That is a great question. Can I give you an example? Please. Yeah, we're chilling. Let's talk. <laughs> so when I started dating my husband, I was in the beginning stages of building my practice. So I have a, a concierge medical practice. Mm -hmm. And I woke up at 4.30 in the morning and I cranked out something. It was at the time called Opus 23, where it was genetic. It looked at genetics and the influence of nutrients and supplementation on genetics. I don't know. I had knocked that out for about two hours before he had gotten up. And I think that, you know, I was like, dude, I've already been up, you know, what are you doing? I've already been up for two hours knocking it out. And I, I think at that point, it was probably love at first sight. So my husband was a former Navy SEAL for 10 years, and he was actually active duty at the time. So it's hard to actually call a Navy SEAL lazy. And uh, yeah, so I think mission alignment and execution of things that are important and discipline to be able to get it done. Yeah. Did you have any trouble accepting the difference of you waking up early in that moment and him, you know, still sleeping? Like differences are a big thing to accept too. So that was just that one moment in time. I would say now yeah. it transitioned. So for example, when I was working on this current book, he told me at the time, if I cared enough about it, I'd be waking up at four to do it, right? Of course, this is after two kids. Early on in any dynamic, whether it's a business partnership or it's any kind of relationship, seeing eye to eye on the complexities of life and how you tackle those independent of what it is, to, you know, whether it's learning a new system or it's, I don't know, navigating a surgical residency, whatever it is. I think the way in which people navigate from a foundational level is key. So if that means you know that you are someone that likes to execute and it's not execute without outcome, but it's executed with outcome, then things can be in alignment. So I think it's just being very clear early on as to how people do things. How do we move past the early on facade? And I, I mean, listen, we're probably going to talk health in a little bit and we're going down the relationship path here. No, but this, this is, is actually, this is quite frankly, much more interesting to me. <laughs> this is, I, I mean, listen, you don't know this, but I trained in psychiatry for two years. I uh, it was part of my training and I was very interested in, and also my patient population are all mavericks and innovators in their field. And we can talk about health all day long, but if the mind set component and the understanding of the archetype of the individual is not there, it does not matter what we talk about. 
It doesn't matter if I give you the perfect plan for exercise. It doesn't matter if I give you the perfect plan for nutrition and I tell you this is what you need to do and this is the kind of hormonal replacement you need. If the archetype of the person is not together and the inherent weaknesses are not exposed and leveraged, then it doesn't matter. So the relationship with other people and the relationship within themselves is actually paramount. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was going to ask in the early stages of dating or whatever, I mean, it's there's a certain facade that's there, right? So we're talking about standards and showing up transparently. So from an individualistic perspective, how do we ensure that what our potential partner is bringing to the table isn't facade and it's real? That's going to be tougher anyone to distill out, I would say it's a personal responsibility for each individual to not do that. Early on in my relationship, I did not do that. I think it's a personal choice. I think you can choose to put together a facade or you can choose to be completely transparent. It's much less painful to be fully transparent than it is ever going to be to put on a facade with anything. It's a rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah that's games. It's just a rookie mistake. Don't do that because it's never going to end well. No matter what it is, if it's a business partner, if you don't have the same work ethic as somebody else, it's just never going to end well. And that's why I think asking for what it is that you want, what it is that you need in relationships, in business partnerships, if you do that, then you are much less likely to have just a catastrophic event later on. Absolutely. One of the things I just wrote down as I was looking to my right, you mentioned something like what you need. I think that's one of the biggest issues that I personally had. I mean, I just turned 30 years old. You just, you're 30 years old? Yes. You look younger than me though. And I'm not, I'm not saying. What? That's so young. That's incredible to be doing all this stuff. There's so much life ahead. That's very young. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, I look at my current relationship and my last relationship and I don't do it to compare, but to an extent I do, I didn't even know what I needed in my last relationship. So like being able to communicate that would be nearly impossible. So my question to you is like being that you brought up communicating what you need, whether it be an intimate relationship, a business partnership, a podcast, like whatever, what's your advice for finding out what it is you need? Like, and actually you like at your core versus the conditioning that's put on us by our parents and whatever. Practice practice. You can't fast forward growth and age. So it just takes practice and it just takes experience. It actually takes pain because we learn more through pain than we learn through anything else. We learn more through fear than anything else. You know, I've been a practicing physician since 2006. I've seen a lot and we can try to circumvent those things, but it doesn't actually happen that way. And you're actually not supposed to know what you need. You're supposed to learn what you need. You're not supposed to know. How would you know? You don't know. The only way you learn is through experience and interface with other people. We don't live in a microcosm of ourselves. We're not hermits, but you will never inherit. It is something that evolves and it is something that opens and something that expands. It is not something that we are born with. When you're a baby, you need to be fed. You need to be changed. You need to be hugged. That's it. And when you're younger and your brain is still forming, I don't know, my daughter seems to need like, I don't know, Daniel the tiger. She doesn't really, but you, you get the point. And ultimately, when we move into adulthood, it isn't knowing, it's really discovering. Because if you go in there thinking that you know, you're going to fail. Because how would you know? Nothing withstands contact with the enemy, right? So it's not something that you're supposed to know. You're supposed no, to know. No, I get that. Out. I appreciate that explanation. That was dope. You mentioned learning more through pain and fear. Why does it have to be that way? Nervous system isn't designed the other way, just not. So if I were to tell you that if you don't do this action, right? 
So I say, all right, well, if you do this action, you are going to be super fit. And this is going to be like, if you go to bed at 10 o'clock, you are going to wake up feeling so great. It's just going to be an amazing day. Versus if you don't go to bed at 10 o'clock, I guarantee you in the next 20 years, you will probably have mild cognitive impairment. Your blood pressure will probably be elevated and you have the potential to develop Alzheimer's disease. That's probably going to be more impactful and you're going to remember that more significantly than anything else I tell you. And also over time, how many times do we see behaviors and actions where we say, okay, you know that this pizza thing that you're eating isn't, you're not supposed to be doing it, right? You know that that's not going to further your body composition goals. You don't care. You say that it tastes good in the moment and you move on. And then the next morning you say, I'm never going to do that to myself. I'm never going to drink like that. And then the next weekend comes along and you do the same thing. If I told you that if you continue to do these behaviors over a span of three more years, imagine yourself in that position of having had those behaviors for the next three years where is it going to land you? All of a sudden you start regret. Over 10 years of seeing patients, that is much more potent of a stimulus. So if you merge the future self with the current self and understand that if you do these actions over time, the regret, that window of opportunity closes, people move. Yeah. I would just want to say that I feel slightly attacked because I had pizza yesterday, but... Did you feel guilty? And did you tell yourself that you're never going to do it again? I didn't. And you know what? I mean, this is where I get caught up, right? Like I'm an active person. Like I don't sit on my ass all day. Like I'm in the gym every single morning, I'm running, I'm biking, like I'm moving my body. I have a pretty like structured workout regimen from a trainer. Like I really get after it. So last night I felt no guilt. I definitely overindulged, but I feel slightly attacked on the flip side of it. But now I'm only messing around. Do you think we should instill fear in ourselves? to pursue things in life. So for example, you're talking about how, you know, talking about the potential health risks of doing something created more of a reaction for positive going to bed at 10 PM, right? What about in life? You're talking to your 20 year old self. Like, would you say, Hey Gab, like if you don't do this now, you're going to regret it by the time you die. Or like, would you approach life like that? I think that's a really good question. It really depends on the situation and the outcome. It depends on your capacity to have discipline. The more disciplined you are, the less fear you need. The more disciplined you are, the less fear you need. The more growth mindset motivated you are, the less negativity you need. Can't rely on motivation. You just can't because that when yeah. things get hard, you have to decide where it is that you stand and what it is that you are about. Do I think that fear is necessary? No, I don't think that fear is necessary for everything. Do I feel that fear is necessary for some things? Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting because you can think about the fear of failure versus I know that this is going to be successful, but the reality is there's probably a balance between the two. Because if you think everything is going to work out all the time, it creates a smoothness that just in my experience is not as ideal. It can breed complacency. So again, with more discipline comes less fear, but with less fear, there is a potential for complacency. Can I throw a curveball? Has anyone ever asked you about your aesthetic? I mean, maybe. Like the background and stuff. It's just dope. Like, I just want to know like more about you and like where that vibe comes from. Oh, this? Yeah, like your interior design. Like, I don't know what's hanging, the chandelier and stuff. Like, where does that side of you come from? Because everyone sees the health side and like what you're putting out on social. And obviously that's a part of it, but I'm just curious. 
So I really, I do like design. I think it's cool. I'm very interested in into interiors. So this studio that I have is a fully equipped studio. So I'll show it to you so you can see it. It's a Longhorn. We live in Texas. I was just going to ask. That's so cool. And then, so I have books in the background of this. So my book, again, my husband is a seal, just a handful of books. We have Jocko's book here, stuff that I like, I like to read. But then the other interior aspect of my house is very organic and very earthy. Where did that come from though? Like, was that always a part of you or was it something like you grew into? I don't know. I think that the more you spend time on earth, the more you think about your surroundings and what that's like. So it's very important to me that my surroundings are nice. Some people, you know, actually I was thinking about this. Some people don't care about their interior. Some people don't necessarily care about the aesthetics that they live in. For me, it's cool. You know, I, I'm visual. I'm a vis very visual person. Yeah. You know, I'm not necessarily artistic at all. I didn't design any of it, but visual, but definitely not artistic. I love that. That's cool. I have to ask you this, right? Because we kind of started off a, a path that was more relationship mindset and stuff. What's a question you wish more people would ask you? And then how would you answer it? Questions like this. Okay. Truly questions like this. The, you know, Instagram and my podcast at the time right now only shows one dimension of me and my thoughts and what I put out there because I'm really on a mission to change health and healthcare. But there's so much more to my clinical practice. There's so much more to me. There's so much more to the dynamics and the beliefs that I have. I actually include quite a bit of mindset in the book, just other things that I'm much more interested in. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've spent 17 plus years studying health and wellness. So it is very meaningful, but there's other things like relationship aspects, what it's like to be married to a Navy SEAL what is it like to be a female entrepreneur in a space that there's not many? What is it like to be trailblazing a mission? Those are things that I think maybe people don't ask. You know, I'm a mom with two little children with a husband who works 100 hours a week and runs multiple successful businesses. I mean, that's not a small feat, right? That's not. But I would say that most people don't ask me about that. Don't ask me about how did I create a successful business? How did I create a mission and I'm executing on a mission? You know, where does my discipline come from? Those kinds of things. Well, what I'm curious to learn is like, what is the mission fueled by, right? A lot of people are fueled by pain. So my question then becomes like, was there someone in your life that was maybe their life was cut short because of health or something of the sort? And if that's too intimate of a question, I get it. But I'm just I'm curious. The ultimate mission comes from having a capacity to do something and then a responsibility to do it. If you have a capacity to do something, then you have a responsibility to do it. We have to look out for our fellow human. And that's it. Did I see a lot of death? Were there certain patients that deeply impacted me? Yes. But at the end of the day, it comes down to responsibility. It comes down to personal responsibility. And sometimes I wish I had less, <laughs> but that's what it comes down to. And probably much for the same reason that you're doing the podcast and the other things that you do. If you have a capacity to do it, you have a responsibility. What's your advice for someone to find out what their responsibility is? I was fortunate. I can only speak for myself. I was fortunate to discover it very early by the time I was 17. I would say people really being truthful with themselves as things are revealed to them, being focused and undistracted and really settling in to what is truly the thing that you are drawn to. Rather than distraction, rather than shiny objects, I started in nutritional science when I was 17. I never changed. 
I knew that that was the thing. Again, I appreciate that I'm more fortunate and people are still trying to figure things out. But had I not been paying attention, I, I may have missed it. Since you've been studying this since you were 17 years old, if I knew what you know, how would my life be different? Probably wouldn't have eaten that pizza last night, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't eat pizza at all? I mean, not really. It just doesn't taste good. What would you do different if you had been studying? I, I would say that you would be less influenced by trendy things. Not saying that you are. But there's lots of trends that come and go in health and wellness and lifestyle. When you are studying it for so long and have lots of practical experience in the trenches experience, you are less influenced by, again, that next shiny object. And that becomes important. And you also know what you know, and you know what you don't know, and you know who the experts in the field are. Those are things that are important. And you can see right now we live in a world of influence and social media, and that's where we get our science and our medical advice. When I started, I had to go to the card catalog. I didn't have access to this. And it's a new generation that we're still navigating. This AI and this generation of internet overload is a new generational phenomenon. How do you suggest people find out what is meant for them in regards to health, right? Like you're talking about getting caught up in the trends. I mean, we see it from a fitness perspective with like the emergence of CrossFit and we see it with, I'm sure, I mean, you're in the space way more than I am. I'm kind of like very leisurely about it, but the diets that pop up, like how do we, or what do you suggest for someone to identify what is a true fit for them? Trial and error trial and error. But people are going to have natural proclivities to things. For example, I love CrossFit. I love CrossFit. I love swinging heavy things. I like kettlebells. I love Bulgarian bags. You name it. I like ice baths. I know for me personally, the harder, the better. That's something that I like. Everybody is going to have an idea, you know, but you try and you circle, you know, you cycle through a whole bunch of stuff and then you decide. And then also it should probably be something that makes you slightly uncomfortable. So you get slightly better. People often will gravitate towards things that are easy for them. And I would say that's not ideal. If you like something that is easy for you, go ahead and enjoy that, but pick something that is hard. You know, yesterday I was talking to one of my patients and he's he used to play college football, extremely successful and 45 year old guy in great shape. And he's like, you know, just wasn't happy with where he was. And the reality is the reason he wasn't happy with where he was physically is because he wasn't challenging himself. This is not the kind of guy that you say, okay, I'm going to give you the magic pill and you're going to be totally jacked and perfectly happy. If he didn't have to earn it or he didn't have to work hard for it, no matter how perfect the medication is or if he got lipo or any of those other things, because he didn't earn it, it was never going to be something that made him happy. So that's really interesting. Whereas me, go ahead, give me the pill. I'll be happy. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, <laughs> which is not totally true. But knowing that there's archetypes of people, knowing what kind of person you are, and then also putting yourself in situations that strive, that make you strive and that make you slightly uncomfortable, that make you grow. I want to talk about that instant gratification. I'm just trying to formulate the question in my mind because I mean, I get caught up in it all the time, right? Like I, I want everything right now. A millennial, like that's just embedded within me, especially being from New York too, like everything's on demand here. What would you say to someone that wants that instant gratification, right? That wants that magic pill. I mean, it's easy to go for. Like, what would you say to them? Practice not getting what you want. Preserve that dopamine. Practice not getting what you want. Purposely knowing the desire, having the ability to get it, and then skipping it. It'll make you tougher. It'll make you stronger. It'll make you not vulnerable to instant gratification. By practicing a muscle of resistance, you become stronger. That is so uncomfortable. I know. So you know you can afford Starbucks and you know that there's a Jack's coffee or whatever down the street. Don't get it. Walk right past it. 
see it, want it, desire it, and skip it. I love that. I want to go back to the mindset stuff, particularly in the realm of health. And the reason I'm asking this particular question is because our audience, while you know they're millennial based and they're high performers, they want the most out of every bucket of life, they're probably in different spaces health-wise. So I want to learn how or what you suggest for people to start breaking their health conditioning, right? Like what we were taught from our parents, what we saw growing up, like how do we start to break that? Well, it's interesting as a millennial groups that, you, you know, that the millennials are listening to this, the highest they're ever going to go in life is going to be where their health is. The highest any person is going to go in life. And I take care of world-class entrepreneurs world-class entrepreneurs. Some are millennial and obviously some are older. The one thing that will either optimize their business or keep them very stuck is their health. So millennial entrepreneur only ever go as high as their health, period, end of story. It is the common denominator. You cannot push without, you know, you just can't keep pushing. And, you know, it's again, it's a rookie mistake where you are constantly exchanging sleep and stress for trying to get where you want to go. You will only go so far, period, end of story. So if I were to tell my 20-year-old self something like that, I would say, listen, this is the long game. And if you address it now, you address good habits now, and you address the instant gratification now, then when you are a 40-year-old entrepreneur, you will not be burned out, crashed out, low testosterone, exhausted with sleep apnea. So when you say health for clarity, are you referring to all of the buckets of health, like mental, emotional, spiritual, physical? Do you think all of the buckets of health can be full at the same time? Like, do you think your mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health can all be 100 at the same time? I think nothing is ever going to be all 100. I think it's a striving. I think you can set a standard for what you want and life has challenges and there are ebbs and flows, you know, even with athletic performance. If you are striving for elite athletic performance, your health will suffer because elite athletic performance isn't necessarily the picture of health and wellness, right? And then elite entrepreneurship doesn't necessarily go hand in hand if you are building a business with health and wellness. However, if you can understand what the big picture goal is, and most importantly, you can understand your weaknesses. Everybody always talks about strengths. What is your strengths? How are we leveraging the strengths? I do not care about your strengths and you shouldn't either. You should identify your lists of weaknesses where you trip yourself up, whether it's an internal dialogue, whether it's a skipping a workout, whether it's a staying up late on Instagram or doing things that are detrimental to one's health and wellness and understanding and looking very clearly at what is the cost of whatever the action is. And most people are oblivious to this. Understandably so. I feel like people wouldn't know what their weaknesses are. Unless they exploit them. Unless you actually take stock of what your weaknesses are. How do we develop that awareness, right? That self-awareness. Track every minute of every day for a week. See where you spend your time. See where you spend your mental energy. It's not just about time. It's what are you thinking? What are, you know, what is a dialogue that is running through your head? Do you have control over that? Are you thinking the same four self-limiting thoughts over and over again, a hundred different ways and a thousand different thoughts? If you are not aware, that is your responsibility to write it down and begin to create awareness. The more aware you are of what is happening within you, the more capable you are at really being in charge of your life and the direction it's going. I love that. I have a hypothetical question on my mind that if I don't ask you now, I'm gonna totally forget about it. I wanna go back to the buckets of health. If Dr. Lyon was 
stranded in a desert with four buckets. Those four buckets represent physical health, emotional health, mental health, spiritual. And you had a tiny bit of water to start to fill up one. Which would you pick? They were all empty. Well, if I'm on a stranded island, I have to survive. So it would probably be physical. I mean, realistically, if I was stranded on a desert or stranded on a little island, I would probably have to survive physically and then I'd have to survive mentally. That would be it. If you weren't stranded, does that answer change? Yeah. If I wasn't stranded, I would start with the mental aspect first. Mental. Okay. How do you train your mental? Like, what is your training of your mental look like? Being very discretionary of your thoughts. I could easily have, you know, this morning was absolutely insane. It could have tripped me up for the whole day, right? It was insane. I have like two children under four years old. Insanity with no nanny right now. It's insane. You know, they're all going through change. It just, they're just... So basically, you know, my husband goes, it's an hour a day. You can handle stress for an hour a day, you know, whatever it is. So being very aware of whatever the dialogue is and just shutting it down. And listen, maybe a bunch of your listeners don't have kids. I guarantee you when they do, they will understand what I'm talking about. It's insane. So it's really how do you train mental fortitude is anytime you have a issue that is going to, that comes up because they come up all the time, especially if you're a business owner, I have to shut that down. I have to compartmentalize when am I going to think about it and how much am I going to think about it? And it takes practice. And then the truth is I ask myself, you know, I don't know if I can say it on this podcast, probably family friendly, but no, you could say whatever you want. It makes it better. So the running joke is, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say it, but you know, like, are you just being totally a wuss? We'll just say that. Like, are you being a total wuss? Can you not get yourself together? Right. Okay. You're thinking about this or like at the end of the day, you know, get it together. And I think practicing getting it together and just auditing yourself. That's important. I was actually just reading the first chapter of James Allen's book. I mean, I, I wish I remembered the name of the book off the top of my head, but that's exactly what he shared. Like the importance of cataloging your thoughts, like what is coming up, becoming aware of that. I'm good at doing that for like a day and then I fall off and I'll be good for a day and fall off. But that's important. And I appreciate that reminder. Well, but now you expect this. So now you have no excuse. You should set a reminder in your phone, right? The millennial generation, you guys have the best, you, I mean, you guys have a capacity of being the absolute best version of yourselves because of all the influences, right? So there's a lot of influences out there that can make things negative, but at your fingertips, unlike ever before, you have more capacity to make things become the best version of yourself than you've ever had, than any generation has ever had. You have more intelligence and more access than anybody. So it's ultimately, you know, you go back to what is your responsibility? It is your responsibility to show up as the best version of yourself. That means not being on autopilot. And that means it's going to be stressful. It's going to be hard, but it's your job. It's your responsibility. So you know that you're not going to think about it tomorrow. So you should a timer into your phone so that you know. Something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I want to talk about, you know, you bring up motherhood, like parenthood, whatever you want to refer to it as. What have your children taught you? I would like to say patience, but that's not true. Are they exploiting your lack of patience? Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. You just have to, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing it has taught me is thinking about epigenetics and how do I want these humans to be raised? What were the things that my family did well? What were the things that, uh, you know, I can do better? You know, my family was very disciplinary. And I thought to myself, well, gosh, I'm not going to be that hard on my kids. And I realized that maybe that was a great thing, you know? So it's interesting. The things that we swear we're never going to do, maybe the things that actually were very beneficial. But again, there's always a flip side to the coin, you know? Just makes you very thoughtful. 
And I will tell you this, it's pretty cliche. You will never love anything more than your children. You just will not. You just will not. They are just so yeah. cute and sweet. And you just strive so much for that one moment of love. And you know, you are deeply responsible for teaching them to be good humans, for teaching them how to navigate the world. And you have an opportunity to teach them to be confident and capable and really thoughtful. So if you are very self-aware, there is an aspect of that that can be taught to the children. Absolutely. How have you accepted the fact that your children have to grow and they won't be the same as they are today? Right. And that's applicable across the board. I mean, it's with our partners too, with our friends, like everyone's growing and developing. It's crazy to think like Dr. Lyon today, if I met you in 10 years from now, you're going to be a different person. Like how do you accept? 10 years from now, I definitely will have wrinkles. Are you in the sun often or something? It's just a bad mom joke. So sorry, what was your question? How do you accept that the people we love are changing? It's wonderful. You, you should want change. Mm. We want change. We want a dynamic world. We want a dynamic, we want people to grow and we want people to change. So I'm, I'm good with that. I, don't, I actually don't even think twice about it. No. So you don't have any fear that these little people you brought into the world will someday be big people? God willing, they will be. Yeah. It's such a privilege for them to be able to survive and grow. God willing, they mm. will be. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I fully anticipate that. Yeah. It's something that I struggle with. It's just like, I don't know. I don't have a kid. I have a dog. But like even seeing him go from puppy to like three-year-old in a week, it's just, it's crazy. It's like, yo, where'd you go? Yeah. The good thing is that we all go through that as humans. It's a collective experience. Yeah. And anytime I would feel sad about death and how fast life goes, I realize that we all go through this collective experience and nobody makes it out alive. Everybody goes through it. Everybody loses an animal. Everybody watches their animals get older. Everybody watches their parents get older. Again, God willing. And this is something that it's not single to one person, but rather universal. And when you have universal experiences, universal experiences are easier to accept. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Talk to me about the book. Let's squeeze this in here before I ask you more questions. So this is the book behind me. It's called Forever Strong and it took okay. two years to write. It will clear up any confusion that you have, whether you are a millennial or you are a millennial with parents or you are a parent or you are a business owner. This book is for everybody and it cuts through all the BS. It is evidence-based, it is well-written, and it is going to fix your weight problem, your energy problem, you name it. This will attack it, and it will attack it in a very integrity-driven way. So very valuable. Again, it's evidence-based. It does have mindset components. So if people are really looking to be the best version of themselves, this is not a cookie cutter in the way that it's all stuff that you read before. Talks about the attributes to leverage, you know, talks about do you have enough self-worth? Where's your self-worth temperature? All things that I've seen in clinical practice, not things that I've read. Things that I've experienced over 15 years of work of being a physician and treating patients. And with that, you know, from everyone, from the most elite warfighters to the entrepreneurs to everybody in between, you learn a lot. And part of the book was sharing nutritional knowledge, sharing exercise, but also what have I learned from treating all of these humans and treating them successfully and seeing the most successful patients? What is it that they do and how do they think? Again, this is not something that I quote, read and implemented. These are real life in the arena, ways of thinking about things that this book has that most health books don't. I love that. So if someone goes in our show notes, they click the link to get the book, but they could only take one thing away from it when they read it. What's the one thing you want them to take away? There's so many things. 
But I think the ultimate question is, do you feel worthy of having the health and body you desire? Do you feel worthy of having it? And figuring that out. I feel like that's what stops a lot of people. And that's kind of what I was getting at with the question in regards to like the conditioning that we're passed on, right? What does it take to revamp our self-esteem to realize like, yo, you do deserve the best and like you're capable of the best. Like what does it take to start to make that shift? Biggest thing that an individual can do is become the person worthy of that outcome. Do actions that make you worthy of that outcome. Think less about it and do more about it. Think less about it and do more about it. If you want to embody the, you know, archetype of being strong and capable, take action to become strong and capable. You know, I've taken care of just so many tremendous people. And if they don't feel worthy of the health and wellness, or if they have trauma, emotional trauma, sexual trauma, they will never move past anything but mediocre health. And that's powerful. You have to feel worthy of the health that you are going to embody and you have to take the actions to become that person. You have to eliminate narrative. There's no thought process about it. There's nothing to think about. It's nothing to think about. Those thoughts are distraction. The moving to a different action is uncomfortable because it is unfamiliar, but that shouldn't stop you. Think less and do more. I love that. What are the indicators of being in good health? Energy. Energy, good body composition and being strong strong physically. Yeah. There's no such thing as a healthy sedentary person. I'm sorry. I agree. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Being strong. Yeah. Be strong. Be forever strong. It's never too late. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to make sure, as mentioned, the link to the book is in the show notes. We'll make sure that we have that in there. Anything else that you're working on that we should make people aware of? Well, the, the book, if they pre-order the book, I don't know when this is coming out, but I have exercise library. I have eBooks. I have a community. I have all kinds of things that we're giving away free with a pre-order of this book. I cannot change the world alone. I can't. I need people to be inspired and think about the impact that this book can have. And so I've created tons of things to give away free, to incentivize people to take part in this. I know that if they can get it in their hands and get it in their parents' hands, it will change the trajectory of the way they age. I just know it. Again, it took me two years to write and 17 years of experience, 20 years of mentorship from one of the world-leading experts in this domain. People can go to my website at drgabriellelyon.com and they can pre-order the book. You can go to Amazon and pre-order the book. We will have a live event in January in Austin. They can come to that if they really want to get a taste of what it's like to be strong in that way, mentally, physically, spiritually, you name it. Cool. That's awesome. Podcast and all the other things. Yeah, that will definitely be in the show notes. Talk to me about the event. Yeah, going to be awesome. There is going to be two parts of the event. There's a, a VIP event, which will be open to 100 people only, the first 100 people. And then there will be a general admission event, but the VIP will all have dinner together. It's highly selective. I don't think that you can, I think you have to apply, but it is highly curated. It's going to be awesome. Well, it's my first one. That's awesome. Is there going to be pizza at the event or no? You coming in on the air diet, my friend. There's no pizza. <laughs> I'm only messing around. I love that. All right, cool. So a couple of things that I do when we're on the way out of these episodes, something new. This was actually stolen because I think it's fucking awesome from Stephen Bartlett. He asks a past guest to ask our current guest the question. So the gentleman that we had on the show yesterday has a question for you. He does not know who you are. I didn't say like, hey, like this is our next guest because honestly, I didn't even know who was going to be the next guest, but I know the question. Oh man, no, nobody gets through 
Uh, okay. No, of course I do. Yeah. No. Yeah. I didn't like look at my calendar. That's what I meant. But the question is, what is the unexpected skill or competency you had to acquire to achieve your level of success? Being a business owner, entrepreneur, I'm a physician. I had to learn how to build and manage a business with multiple inputs. What was the most challenging aspect of that for you? I don't know. You know, I never thought about it because I uh, just got it done. I would say, you know, I, I don't know. There was a challenging aspect. It's just, again, I, I think that's just the way my brain processed things, processes things. Yeah. Well, it was a new language is what you're getting at. Yeah. It was a new language. Was it challenging? Yeah. Have I done harder things? Yeah. Sure. Okay. But that was a new skill that I would say I didn't have. Or you don't go from being a physician. I mean, some physicians do to being an entrepreneur or business owner with multiple team members and multiple things in place. You have to learn that skill. Yeah, understandable. That's cool. So the flip side of that is, what's a question that you would ask our next guest not knowing who they are? What is their biggest weakness that is holding them back? I wanna know what is their biggest weakness? Like, mm -hmm. What's your answer to that question? Time, time being really dialed in. I mean, cause I have so many moving parts that for me it's, so I'm gonna do, I have four podcasts today really managing the interim in between, right? So for example, once I finish this, I shouldn't, you know, actually I go right into reading some intros to my podcast. So it's just the day is totally stacked. So by the time I'm at the end of the day, it's my day will end at seven something tonight. So how can I manage my energy in between? I don't know if that's a weakness, but I, I experience it as a weakness because there's things that I could think about. It could be not responding to the 150 text messages that I have. You know, how can I organize the, how can I manage the energy as opposed to getting it, quote, all done all day? So I think that that's a weakness. I think that uh, the weakness is non pacing and being able to maintain the energy, which again goes with pacing and time. If I were to play devil's advocate, I would actually say that you have a skill though. Because when it comes to time, it sounds like what you're doing, I think is really impressive. And it's something I wish that I did. You just gave me the idea is like grouping. So like you're on a podcast right now. And you said right after this, you go into recording intros for your pod. Like for me personally, I know a lot of people struggle with this is like the transition from calendar item to calendar item. If it's all over the place, you get what I'm saying? Like if you're going from like a marketing meeting to an HR meeting, those are just random examples because they're different. Like that is more of an energy drain. I think what you're doing is a skill to an extent, right? Maybe I feel as if potentially, but I experience it as a weakness because I'm very tired. There's things at the end of the day that I would love to accomplish that potentially I, you know, I try to read an hour a day, some kind of scientific article an hour a day. And by the end, I go to bed by 930. If I am starting to read by eight o'clock and I'm reading about intramyocellular lipids, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, I'm tired. So my day isn't as well defined as I'd like it because quite frankly, I probably should be reading some of this heavy scientific literature earlier on, but I, I don't, you know, it's just a matter of how do I create more ebb and flow as opposed to just be so get it done. And then by the end, I mean, I'm going straight through. I literally am going straight through till my, I mean, I, I have a break to drive to my physical therapist who I'm seeing at six to finish at seven to then come home. So potentially there's other ways. I appreciate the transparency. I'm grateful to share that. That's, that's what people resonate with. So I appreciate that. Especially if people are trying to move the needle, right? I am not here to just take resources from the world. I'm here to give resources. 
I have a couple more questions for you, and then I have to let you go. Otherwise, I would keep you longer. Some rapid fire type of things. Top three things hurting our health. Lack of exercise, lack of protein, and processed foods. Top three things we need to be doing for our health. Is it just the opposite? Yeah, resistance training, some kind of high-intensity interval, and high-quality protein. Last question for you. Dr. Lyon lives to whatever year she wants to live to. She could have as little wrinkles or as many wrinkles as she wants. Put out as many books. You shift the whole health space. You do it all. You can only be remembered for one piece of advice, though. Meaning, when I think of you, this is the piece of advice that pops in my mind. What's that advice? Muscle is the organ of longevity. Muscle is... This is your TED Talk. Yeah. Muscle is the organ of longevity. Above and beyond physical fitness, it is an organ system. You take care of that, everything else falls into place. It's as simple as that. You said, what is the one thing? I mean, you know, if you were to ask me, what is the one thing I want to do well is to raise my children well and to have happy, capable humans. But if I were to leave a legacy beyond my children, it would be understanding that muscle is the pinnacle, not the periphery of health. It's the pinnacle. I love that. Well, Dr. Lyon, I want to say thank you so much. A reminder that books, podcasts, socials, websites, events, all of that good stuff is in the show notes. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Bye. Thank you. You have just joined us for an all-new conversation on the Decoding Success podcast featuring Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Now, you could check out Dr. Lyon in the show notes as usual, websites, programs, social links, where you can grab her new book. All of that good stuff can be found in the show notes of this episode as always. Now, with that said, you are still tapped in with us, so I'm reminding you that you were here for a reason. Whether it was for the seed to be planted today or for it to be watered, there was a reason, and you could also be the reason someone else hears this episode, this conversation. By sharing this with those in your life, share this on your Instagram story. Make sure to tag Dr. Gabrielle and myself. Share it on X or Twitter. Make sure you tag Dr. Gabrielle and myself or even word of mouth with the people in your life, your coworkers, your friends, your family, whomever you believe might need this and even the people you might think don't need it. Make sure that you're sharing this and all the gratitude in the world for you helping us spread this message. So thank you and reminding you every single week, every Wednesday, new episodes are dropping. We are climbing the ladder to episode number 300. So stay in the loop with us, continue to tap in, See you next week. Until then, be blessed. Peace.